This is the Church Planning Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Every week we sit down with leaders who are shaping church planning efforts. Here's your host, Josh Taransky and Clint Clifton. Hey, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I am joined by Clint Clifton. We are going to be in a part two of the episode we started last week. Clint, it is good to see you remotely. We are recording this um, from our basements um, states away. You live in Virginia. I'm up here in Maryland. Yeah. We're in the middle of this crazy virus. How's it going? Uh, not great, man. I had... Uh little uh, episode with kidney stones last night um, was up all night that's the best it's you know uh, yeah if you if you're not plagued with kidney stones you should thank the Lord that mm. you're not because it's no fun yeah it sounds miserable we can hear it in your voice um, so last week we're gonna we're gonna move past the kidney stones um, uh, I'd like to talk about it more please okay um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move past it and hope you're moving past them as well quickly mm. um, last week we talked uh, a little bit we introed uh, our episode with Daniel Montgomery this is an interview that you did good stuff mm. and this week we're gonna get into really the meat of his new book mm. living present in an absent world yeah. Um, so um, we, we had some good thoughts that you gave us in regards to that. Is there anything else you really want people to key in on as we go into this episode about the book? Yeah. So the last episode, he, he focused a lot on uh, the Sojourn journey and how Sojourn Church got planted and sort of the things that led him um, led him to um the conclusions that he ultimately wrote about in the book. And, um, so, so yeah, I don't want to take much time. He's gonna, he's gonna teach us how to be present. So let's listen. Yeah. Let's jump right in. First, we've got a word from our sponsor and then part two with Daniel Montgomery. So much of what we do these days in ministry takes place online. So we need somebody to help us with the digital aspects of our ministry. Well, I found a great partner in 180digital.com. These guys are ministry guys. They love the gospel and they love the church and they're super good at what they do. So I want to encourage you to go over and check out their website. It's 180digital.com. They do all kinds of stuff and they've worked with big and small churches. So right now they're offering for our listeners 20% off of any website or branding project just for mentioning the church planning podcast. So Go over to their website and check it out, 180digital.com. Daniel Montgomery, welcome back to the Church Planning Podcast. Honored to be here. All right, man. I want to talk about your new book. Fantastic. This is not common for us to talk about a book on the Church Planning Podcast. We usually talk about church planting. Mm -hmm. But this book, though not aimed at church planters is maybe one of the most applicable uh, topics to, to church planting. Yeah, I mean, whether you're a church planner, whether you find yourself in the church or the business world, yeah. everyone's feeling overworked, overwhelmed, and disconnected. Mm-hmm. And so the book primarily aims at how to help people practice presence in a world of absence. And we feel that absence increasing. So yeah. it's a common pain point, common problem, and um, you know, for us all. Yeah. 
the book is called How to Be Present in an Absent World, and it's a leader's guide to showing up, paying attention, and being fully human. And um, did you did you have me in mind when you were writing the book? Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I had myself in mind. So the short story is um, myself and Kenny Silva, who's uh-huh. a theologian, accomplished author in his own right, uh, writes for Forbes and does a lot of business and leadership writing. Yeah. I've been collaborating with him for a few years now. Right. Um, and Ebony Webb, she's a PsyD, specializes in dialectical behavior therapy okay. and has a practice out of Nashville. We came together uh-huh. and what sounds like a setup to a bad joke, yeah, a psychologist, yeah, a theologian, and a business consultant decided to tackle this problem of absence. Yeah. And uh, for me it was, uh, you know, the theology guy was to keep me from heresy trials, yeah. and the therapist was also for therapy. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so it's free therapy for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, but she also works with leadership reality now, and and so does Kenny. Okay. Um, so, just digging into the the book broadly here, can you just kind of tell me what the aim of the book is? I mean, I can deduce it a little bit from the, the title. The title's so catching and so good. Yeah. Uh, but tell me what the aim of the book is. Yeah, the aim of the book, uh, really showing up, paying attention, and becoming fully human. I mean, first off, it's paying attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, attention is one of our greatest commodities and greatest mm-hmm. gifts we can give to others is uh, attention. Yeah. You know, it's what uh, we want in marketing, but it's also what we want internally with our companies and our churches. Right. Um, people crave and hunger attention. Our children hunger and crave attention. Our spouses. And so what does it mean to give attention to our Father's world? Mm-hmm. And what does it mean to be human in a very dehumanizing world? And the workplace, 70% of the workplace is disengaged, yeah. which means that consciously or subconsciously, they're sabotaging their own work and the work of others. So this is a big problem in the business world. And what does it mean to be human, to face our pain in a human way? Because the avoidance of pain is kind of the source of modern pathologies. Um, whether that means fra- frantic work, frantic living, increasing anxiety levels, increasing depression levels, disconnection, it all surfaces from trying to avoid suffering and pain. And showing up. Yeah. Uh, how do we show up at work? How do we show up uh, in ministry? How do we show up in our marriages and our parenting? And so really it's, it's looking at helping people pay attention, mm. become human, and show up. Well, Daniel, I'm a little too busy to read the book, so mm-hmm. could you could you could you summarize it for me? Could you give me like a like a, make it a little bit more practical than what you just said? What you just said is compelling, and I, I feel like you're talking about me. Yeah, uh, we're but, talking about you. But I need, uh, you know, I, I think we condition ourselves to look yeah. for the practical, and so the practical in this case is like, okay, that sounds really great. I'd love to. Who, what church planter among us hasn't heard their wife say, "Hey, can, can you know snap their fingers and say, hey, can you can you join me here uh, when we're squarely in the room?" So, yeah, it's the the book basically argues for slowing down mm-hmm. and making time to work on you, mm-hmm. and so the first movement would be to pause and to be in time, and to be in time is to move from the grinding of time mm-hmm. to designing a better life and okay. a better version of yourself. And so the, the challenge is to slow down and reflect, mm-hmm. which is a problem in the church and in the business world. Mm-hmm. Um, but the return on investment is the language we use in the business world mm-hmm. is exponential, um, mm-hmm. just taking time for reflection. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, a, a meta study was done on a, a group of workers who took 15 minutes a day 
and to reflect on their work. And within 10 days, they saw a 15% increase in productivity. Mm-hmm. And so you think about that and money saved and impact, it's, it's pretty high. And that's just a 10-day study. And so taking time to reflect, you can yeah. have your, you know, put different rewards in there, but there's a need for more reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, and so pausing, breathing, being connected to our bodies. Um, we look at self, others, and work, and what are the pain points and challenges? And the common pain points are people saying things like, I, I don't see my kids anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I have unresolved tension with my family. I hate my job. Uh, I'm, I'm in deep debt and I can't find a way out. And so mm-hmm. there's a myriad of expressions this right. pain point finds themselves. Um, but the book calls them to pay attention. Yeah. And it looks different for different people. Okay. You, you just use the imagery of design or ar- being the architect of your own day yeah. or life. So uh, how, um, is that something one does alone? Uh, no, we encourage um, to do it with others, mm-hmm. you know, good design work. So you could kind of break down your life to there's design issues, which is big picture issues. There is um, deliberation issues where you deliberate with others. There's decision issues. Mm-hmm. And then there's just doing yeah. issues. And so most of our life is in the doing right. and making decisions. And we have all these decisions that are emerging. And this can go for our personal life, whether it be our health, our, our finances, our marriage, our work. Mm-hmm. Um, is this a design issue where I need to back up and think big picture? Do I need to deliberate with others? Do I need to make a decision mm-hmm. or do? And the majority of your life is doing and decision. And it's about making time to deliberate and design yeah. a better life, um, which the majority of our lives, 99.9% of our time, is just grinding. And right. it's very rare for anyone to take any time to think bigger picture with their whole lives. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, you can't just do that with one part of your life. Yeah. Um, because one dimension of your life can send you spinning. Right. Um, and so we do integrative development where we hold together those dimensions, self, others, and work. So for example, self, we look at intellectual, relational, or intellectual, spiritual, emotional, and physical. Mm-hmm. And that's just an example of just you. Mm-hmm. You know, others would be your family, your friends, your children, and your coworkers. Mm-hmm. And so as people identify, where am I experiencing the most pain? That's the opportunity for pressing forward with, a, mm-hmm. with more design. Right. So what are some signs that you know this is this podcast is for church planners and church planters are frantically trying to get their churches started and they're usually doing it under a time uh time in a pressure cooker from a time standpoint because they've only got so much external resources uh, money that's going to run out so they're, they're feeling pressure from all these sides their leadership is you know being tested for the first time they presumed themselves to be excellent leaders and then they got out and tried to do it and it was a little harder so there's tons of stress and pressure and time on them so what are some signs uh, that I'm a person who has let that affect me so much that I have trouble being present now yeah uh church planners are a mess so um (laughs) you got to be a little crazy to start a church and so you're dealing with uh we all have pathology, we all have insecurity, we all have issues, we're all on the spectrum of dysfunction, it's just where you're on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and church planners and entrepreneurs bring a lot of dysfunction and issues. Um, I, would, I would say, um, are they connected? Mm-hmm. 
Are they taking time? Um, are they leading themselves first? What do you mean by connected? You know, do they have a crew? You know, this would be a great place I would start, you know, and whether I'm working with executives or church planners, one of the first questions I ask is, do you have a crew? Because um, I work with church planners. Mm-hmm. You know, I still work with large churches and small churches and, right. and church planners. And I, I just ask them, who's your crew? You know, who can you who can you talk to about kind of debilitating anxiety and fear? Uh, you know, you're you're gaining 30 pounds, losing 30 pounds, your marriage is a wreck, you feel insecure, you don't have a clue how to parent, you yeah. feel like a failure as a parent, and you're talking to your core group about your future family ministry. Um, <laughs> what do you do with that? Who do you, who do you go to? And most, th- most church planners can't afford a therapist, and, and I, I'm totally for therapy, but I found 15 minutes talking with a friend about my anxiety to be better than two hours of therapy. If it's a friend who will welcome me with not judgment or not trying to fix or figure me out, they're just there to listen. And so one of the, if I, if I had a little bit of time with church planners, I would say you don't have time to not have a crew. Mm -hmm. That's why what the work you do, I mean, so much of the work you do is creating a crew around them. You're not their guru. You're not their Yoda. They think you're that sometimes and then they get to know you and they realize, Hey, you're made of the same stuff. Um, most of the learning, the best learning is just peer to peer. Now we need guides. But we need a crew. Yeah. And so do you have a crew? And, you know, that's a vital. Yeah. And a vital would be a marriage, yeah. a healthy, intimate, sexual life, mm-hmm. beautiful. Se- I mean sexual more than just the act of sex. Right. You know, just a, do you have, are you making time for your spouse? Are you making time for you? Are you making time for others? And, of course, you're making time for Jesus. Right. Those are kind of vitals that if those vitals aren't taken care of, I don't trust the clarity mm-hmm. a church planner has. Wow. That's really helpful. When sometimes church planners ask me the question, like, what's the most important factors in success or failure of a church plant and uh, or some version of that question? And the thing that comes to mind often that seems like it wouldn't be the answer, but I find myself saying is some version of you really need to be connected to other people who can understand what you're going through, empathize, and you can talk honestly about it. And for a lot of church planters, that's other church planters. Um, And that's why, as you referenced, the work that we do in getting around tables with church planters and talking about issues that are important both in their development but also in their lives and caring about one another is is really vital. Yeah, and I would say, you know, to the the church planter, it's a crew, and then you diversify that crew. So, for example... You know, you've got some crews that are about getting it right for yeah. church planners, some crews that are about getting it out, yeah. and some crews that are about getting it in. So there's the whole, like, <laughs> contemplative house church crew, and then there's the get it right nine marks crew, and then there's the get it out kind of we're going to start more and better churches. And the the most successful church planners hold those tensions together. That's brilliant. Yeah. And I, brilliant. I don't think Jesus is more pleased with the get yeah. it right than the get it out than the get it in guys. I don't think he's like... Well, Andy Stanley gets it out, and John Piper gets it right, and Eugene Peterson got it in. Uh-huh. It's like, no, he loves all his children, yeah. and he just wishes it, you know, his desire. <laughs> I mean, what, what greater desire do you have than when your kids get along? Yeah. And I think the, the father's heart uh, is for his children loving one another and accepting one another yeah. as they are and learning from each other. Yeah. But I always held it. I mean, I, I respect... <laughs> Lou Giglio and Andy Stanley as much as John Piper and Tim Keller, yeah. as much as, you know, 
uh, Eugene Peterson. The I'm, I'm a big contemplative, right. and I but I think there's a danger in going whole hog in any one of those camps. That's um, that's really thought provoking. I, I feel like we could continue to talk about that, but when you you're you're in this strange space now where you're working with um, you you've been a pastor for a long time. You have pastoral sensibilities and you know your mind was trained to think like a pastor uh, but now you're working primarily with business leaders and, and even in your pastoral work you kept a foot in that world it seems like so mm -hmm. tell me do um, business leaders uh, or pastors in your view have a more difficult time with the issue of presence yeah I think it's a problem for everybody mm -hmm. um, and I think pastors totally struggle with presence and business leaders they just come at it from different angles yeah i think um pastors struggle with presence in showing up yeah so maybe they're better at paying attention but i think the becoming human and showing up yeah. uh not so much so what i mean by that is um, we should be the most embodied present leaders but i mean it's common knowledge christians don't know what to do with their body right. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, human sexuality, physicality. We should be the most physical spirituality. I mean, Jesus put on human flesh. Yeah. The incarnation is at the heart of our faith, but so much of Christianity is excarnational. It's out of the body. It's very cerebral. It's very information-driven. Mm. Um, and, I mean, at the heart of evangelicalism is this proclamation and getting it right. right. Um, whereas, do we think our way into a new way of being or do we practice our way into a new way of thinking? Yeah. And I think reality would say you know a bias towards action and practice uh -huh. doing it and reflecting um but i think christians have a hard time being who they are yeah uh, there's a lot of jesus jukes and yeah weird things like for let me give you an example like um our church grew by 200 percent. you know like a uh -huh. church plan will be like our church grew by 200 percent. sometimes it's like it went from 30 to what's 200 percent you know like, <laughs> i don't know what, whatever right. number right and, uh, but it was all God. Yeah. And I was like, really? Um, like, what, what do you mean it was all God? Like, wh what about, like, you working six what days a week, that? 60, 70 hours a week, maybe mo maybe more, two jobs. But it was all God. And I'm like, uh, no, it wasn't. It was you and God. <laughs> and that helicopter and, Easter egg dropped. <laughs> yeah. And you, uh, you know, investing $200,000 in two new hires and... Yeah. You, you know, like the partnerships around you, but it's so weird that like the I in spirituality is like, it's not allowed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's there. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can read it on someone like this guy, yeah. this guy recognizes he did it, mm -hmm. but he can't say it, but the inability to own yeah. our lives. And so I think there's a direct correlation between ownership and stewardship. Wow. So people will say like, God owns it all. And it's like. Yeah, and so do you. Like you, you gotta. Or do you own your home? Yeah, you own your home, right? Like you signed a document saying you're the owner. Right. Like, do you own your body? Yeah. yeah. And if you own your body, you can steward your body. Mm -hmm. If you own your home, you can steward your home. And so, I think ownership, which gets at agency, mm -hmm. like who am I? Um, man, that is like a tricky thing in the church. And so, for church planters, I think there's a lot of deep work that needs to be done and like own it man yeah like you made this decision own it like yeah. and even things like god called me we talked in the last podcast i remember in my 20s all these church planners like god called me to this location i'm like dude i don't have that direct line yeah. 
Like, I want to do this. I mean, I my understanding of calling is sometimes it's impressions, but a lot of times it's like, make a decision. Yeah. And it's like, I decide to start this church. And I'm pretty sure God's called me, yeah. but I don't even have that figured out, my 23-year-old yeah. mind and heart. <laughs> um, but people force language. And I, yeah. and it's, a, I mean, it's cool, but I think that that can create a lot of internal dissonance. I, I think sometimes, too, along those lines, uh, young pastoral types tend to believe that God is sovereign over all things except for my own desires, you yeah. know, and like God doesn't have any domain or dominion over my, my wants and my... Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of the book. We, we basically joined in Allender in saying God's not only the authority of your life, but he's the author of your life, mm. and you're a real creator. You have real agency. And, you know, your life makes a difference. Your decisions make a difference. And they're your decisions. You don't need to baptize them and like, well, God told me to do this. Like most, most of us, we don't don't know. We're placing bets. Uh Like, you know, we're, we're gambling. I don't believe in luck, but we're gambling on providence. Right. And we talk about that in a lot, a lot in the book about what it means to own our lives and own when we are time where we are place what we are in our bodies and who we are in relationship with others and why we are in our story Mm. um and so it's it is philosophical but we hide all the philosophy yeah um because it's it's targeted to a business leader um who you know has has run a successful company and is stewarding a lot of people and we wanted to convince them of pre- presence because yeah. we believe if we can convince leaders, it's going to ripple down to the rest of the company. Right. Um, so we wanted it to be a book that people put in the hands of people who have power and influence, mm-hmm. and they leverage that mm-hmm. uh, for themselves mm-hmm. and for others. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I know this is kind of a, probably a silly question on a conversation about really being right and whole, but <clears throat> is there a is there a positive correlation that you really believe in your, uh, between, I mean, you said this a little bit earlier, but between our presence and our work and the, the quality of our work? Absolutely. I, I believe there's inner game work and outer game. Mm-hmm. Inner game would be presence and outer game would be performance. Mm-hmm. And you cannot scale your performance with integrity without scaling your inner game or presence. Mm-hmm. And so let's, let's bring it down to, you know, the good father. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's got, you know, I got four kids. What do you have? Mm-hmm. I got five. Yeah. You got five kids, right? Yeah. I, my kids are 17, 15, 12, and 10. What are yours? Z- eight, about, yeah, same. About the eight, same. 18 so we both know that if we want to have families of multi-generational love, the father I am today has to be a different father tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And the grandfather I hope to be needs to level up. Mm-hmm. That I'm not going to create a community of multi-generational love with my children and grandchildren and extended family apart from growing internally. So just thinking about the performance, uh, do you have to perform? To ha- yeah. You want a you want a rich community that of wisdom and learning in your own home? Uh, you got to do your work. And you can think about that in the business world, church world. But what happens is people think when I get to this point, I can hip pocket these conversations. And so a classic place this also manifests itself as boards mm. you know you got the successful business leader so he roll or she rolls on a board and it's like they think they can just and they're like why is this so frustrating and you know in our board management we basically are like okay this is a new game mm-hmm. 
and how are you going to level up? And yeah. we call them to presence and to mm-hmm. a series of tactics and tools. Mm-hmm. But um, absolutely, presence and self-awareness and self-attunement right. um, is mission critical. And, you know, unfortunately, we never stop growing. We never stop yeah. learning. And when we do, we die. Um, and so... Yeah, I've seen a profound impact, principally in the business world, but, you know, it's 20 years in the church, and we still work in the church, um, but, uh, yeah, I believe in this stuff, yeah. and and we're seeing a pretty big impact yeah. as well. Yeah. What What's at stake for the uh, pastor, church planter, who doesn't get command over this, this, this idea? Yeah, I think what's at stake is a life marked by regrets. You know, so if we if we focus on the church planner, our pastor, it's living with shoulds and oughts and other people's scripts and society scripts and the church's script for you, mm-hmm. rather than being who you are and, and where you are, and living out of desire. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we need to be afraid of desire. Yeah. Um, and so my heart, I mean, my heart breaks just as much. I mean, I, I met with. A business leader today and it's like hey you know pride is not your pride pride is not going to be this particular leader's problem mm-hmm. it's going to be him owning his story yeah. and so some people are have low filter are quick to speak mm-hmm. and you know it's like hey dude you need to pause mm-hmm. before you speak and really reflect mm-hmm. others are very reflective and mm-hmm. you know not so quick and it's like their encouragement is if you think it twice mm-hmm. you need to say it you need to own this yeah and lean in more. Mm-hmm. And so that was this kind of leader. And um, you need time to reflect on your plan, your life. And if you don't, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have a lot of regrets mm-hmm. um, today and tomorrow. And the same goes with our kids. Same goes with, you know, every dimension of our lives. Mm-hmm. But my, my fear is people people not showing up. Yeah. You know? And so this isn't breakthrough. This is like show up every day. Mm-hmm. Um and be who you are and be when you are. Yeah. So does that answer your question? It does. It does. I, I just I'm thinking of one other thing, just because you've you've navigated this in the last few years, but um, I meet a lot of uh, church planters who get into church planting pretty deep, and they start to realize about themselves that they have the entrepreneurial part of church planting is really a more alluring and attractive to them than the um, than the pastoral part of it. Yeah, and, and they're afraid to admit that. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems unspiritual. Or uh, so, talk to that guy. Talk to that guy. Yeah. Um, all right. So I think this is a, a pretty big issue in the church. So I'll try to do it pretty quickly. Um, I think it's because we've structured our work around pastors and deacons, mm-hmm. principally, and that's not a structure that I, it's a it's a good mental model, mm-hmm. biblical mental model, yeah. but it's not a sufficient map to navigate the territory of missions, mm-hmm. the missions the Holy Spirit's calling us into. I think you need to couple pastors and deacons with uh, Ephesians four yeah. eleven, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now. I just believe that's divine energy. Yeah. I don't understand what's going on. Right. So forget offices, forget titles. <laughs> I believe that that Ephesians 4.11 is the DNA of Christ distributed through the church. Awesome. And people people have prophetic energy. So think of a, a small group. Mm-hmm. You, you still in small group? Yeah. Yeah, still doing small group. Awesome. So the, the prophet calls stuff out in the group, yeah. problems, 
I, I don't like this group, you know, maybe, maybe immature, more mature, you know, uh, calling out new realities, calling out people, maybe sin. The evangelist, you know, reaches the lost. And think about a community group. One person gets saved, man. That, you can live off that energy for 18 months. Yeah. Um, the pastor makes sure everyone's cared for. The teacher wants to go deep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people with apostolic energy, when they speak to prophets, prophets respect them. Yeah. When they speak to pastors, they, you know, they, they have, they're multi-tooled, multi-energized, gift, dimensional, whatever you want to call right. it. Um, the church knows what to do with pastors and teachers. Yeah. Evangelists, we send off to, you know, start parachurch organizations because yeah. we only want so much evangelism. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, typically a lot of the mega churches, large churches, they're essentially like, you know, apostolic leaders mm-hmm. um, or apostolic energy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the big challenge mm-hmm. that, I mean, I've sat with teams of elders and seen them weep. Mm-hmm. Walking them through Ephesians four eleven because they have so much guilt yeah. over not having so much pastoral energy, mm-hmm. and what you really need with networks and movements is apostolic networks where, you know, pastors you know can lead larger. We don't know what to do with power and large and the church too well right. in this energy. So it's like, well, you're the CEO director, and it's structured like, you know, a modern business. All right. Rather than going, hey, we need some profits to call out reality and shifts. We should be the most innovative, pace-setting, trend-setting group in the world. Um, Because the same spirit that hovers over the waters hovers over creation now, calling us forth. Um, But you need pastors as well. And places where people can care and Mm -hmm. nurture. You need teachers who bring depth and scope and precision Mm -hmm. to the not just the theology, but like... We need teachers who help us figure this stuff out organizationally yeah. without losing our soul. Right. Um, and evangelists who say, no, this is they're the tip mm. of the spear. And so I think that structure gives us more dimensions, more options. Mm. and um, But it needs to be held like soberly yeah. and with a lot of humility as just like, here's a- another map. No map equals reality. But this map opens more of reality up to us mm. where... Elders and deacon, I, th- I think it's very limited. Yeah. So, um, you know, but... That's helpful. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Every time I talk to you, I get stuff in my head that I'm going to think about for days and weeks. Oh, good. Well, every, every time I meet with you, I'm inspired by, number one, the work in D.C. I talk about an area where I'm humbled. Mm-hmm. I'm always humbled. I've been humbled to do work here with churches, mm-hmm. but also businesses. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's hard soil. It's difficult soil. But man, it's good soil yeah, and it's it rich. And I, I'm just, I think it's full of kingdom possibility and opportunity. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know the Lord's pleased with your work here. And that's, that's not great. just like a Jesus juke or yeah. that's just like, I, I think the sacrifice and your pace setting leadership here, it's like, it's inspiring to me. So thanks. honored to be here on the podcast with you. Thanks, man. Hey, podcaster. Thanks for listening to the Church Planting Podcast. Hopefully it's been useful and helpful to you in your ministry. And if it has, we'd like you to do two things for us. First, we'd like you to subscribe. If you subscribe right there in your podcast application for the Church Planting Podcast, then every time a new episode is posted uh, midday on Wednesdays, that will show up in your your podcast feed and you won't have to search for us every time you want to listen. So that's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do is simply click that share button in your application 
and uh, post about the church planning podcast, either your favorite episode or the podcast as a whole on your favorite social media platform. That would be a huge help to us and it would help other folks who are out there trying to start new churches glean from the wisdom of those who are featured on the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Church Planning Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Today's episode of the Church Planting Podcast is sponsored by New City Network, the church planting ministry of McLean Bible. A special thanks to today's guest, Pastor Daniel Montgomery. Josh Taransky produced today's show. Uzuki Bash Jane was our showrunner, and her husband Nick was our editor. Thanks to Hudson Taransky, who provided administrative and web support for the program. And last but not least, thanks to you for listening all the way through to the very end of the Church Planting Podcast. Hey, if you'd like more information about the show, feel free to visit our website, www.churchplantingpodcast.org. There, you can find all of our past episodes as well as notes and links from today's show. We're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, so make sure to check us out on the social. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Church Planting Podcast.